0: To get more out of this podcast, head over to Nebula, the creator-owned streaming service where you can get more episodes ad-free and earlier than everybody else, plus bonus content and exclusive series by myself and more than 130 other top-tier educational creators, many of whom I've interviewed on this podcast. You can sign up for Nebula by clicking on the link in the description or go to nebula.tv slash conversationswithjoe. You can sign up for Nebula by clicking on the link in the description or go to nebula.tv slash conversations with Joe. It not only helps support the podcast, it furthers our mission of building a platform that focuses on content that matters. This video is supported by Raycon. In just a couple weeks, the Mars Perseverance rover is going to land on Mars, and assuming everything goes well, it's going to land with an instrument that surprisingly we've never sent before. A microphone. To be fair, we, we have sent a microphone before, but it, it didn't wind up working. The point is, there are no sound recordings from the surface of Mars. But Perseverance is bringing a couple of microphones with it, actually. One of them is called the EDL microphone, which stands for Entry, Descent, and Landing, which is going to record those things. And the other one is a microphone that's going to be on the SuperCam instrument. This one will not only just give us the ability to hear ambient sound on Mars, but it also has a scientific purpose. Because when they use the laser on the supercam to vaporize the Martian soil to determine its composition and whatnot, when that soil vaporizes, it pops and it makes a sound. And by analyzing the sound, it gives us more information about the density and composition of the rock. And they've actually already recorded some sound from the EDL microphone uh, when they did a test back in October while it was on the way to Mars. It doesn't sound like much, but here's what they recorded. Of course, that's not the sound of space. There is no sound in space, but that's actually the sound of the rover's heat rejection fuel pump. Um, and the kind of whirring noise is the, the vibrations traveling up the arm. But yeah, no, there's, there's a good reason to be excited about this because sound recordings outside of Earth are actually very, very rare. First of all, there's only a handful of places outside of Earth that we've even landed on. And of those, only a few have an atmosphere that could facilitate, you know, what we might call sound. But if air did fill the solar system, the loudest thing by far would be the sun. One thing I find interesting is stories of people who are deaf that get, like, a cochlear implant or get the ability to hear in one way or another, and, um, oftentimes they're shocked at the fact that the sun doesn't make a noise. And that's one of those funny things that most of us don't think about, but yeah, I mean, if you can't hear sound but you see this giant fireball in the sky, of of course you would think that it, it makes a sound of some kind. But, fun fact, if the space between the sun and the Earth was filled by air, it would sound something like a motorcycle engine revving at 120 decibels. But, alas, the solar system is not filled with air, and so while we've collected a lot of gorgeous images of different planets and places around the solar system, we're missing out on a pretty huge sensory component, one that's really immersive and visceral. You know, sound really puts you there. I mean, I could show you this all day long, and it may or may not do anything for you, but if you just hear the sound... It's a lot more evocative, isn't it? But sound is subjective. What we hear is what we hear only because of the atmosphere and the environment in which we hear it. And just like the visible light that we see is only a small part of the wide electromagnetic spectrum, there's a lot of audio frequencies that we can't hear. Plus, sound travels through solid and liquid as well, which is why we were able to get a recording of the the heat pump on the rover uh, on the way to Mars, even though it's out in space, that sound traveled up its arm talked in a previous video about the loudest sound ever about how we kind of are used to this atmospheric pressure that we live in and we don't really think about how it's different on other planets. Well, sound is nothing more than pressure waves traveling through atoms of air. And if those atoms of air are, say, 1% of what it is here on Earth, then it's going to sound quite a bit different. NASA's Perseverance website actually shows you how the sound is going to be different on Mars. In general, it's going to be a lot quieter and you're going to lose a lot of the high pitched frequencies. Here's a good example. Now, this is how they expect Perseverance's sound recordings to come across, but I guess we'll find out soon enough. Kind of makes you wonder, though, if low pressure makes it sound like that, what would the higher pressure of, say, Venus make it sound like? Actually, you don't have to wonder, because we do have actual recorded sound from Venus. So yeah, while the U.S. was playing golf on the moon and landing Vikings on Mars, the Russians had their sights set on Venus. Remember that chart earlier? Nine successful Venus landings. All of them Russia. Most of them were from the Venera program and dude this program does not get enough love. It accomplished a number of firsts, including the first probe to enter another planet's atmosphere, the first soft landing on another planet, the first successful landing on another planet, the first images from the surface of another planet, and the first sound recordings of another planet. Now, all of these probes are very limited in how much data they could acquire because they only lasted for a really short amount of time. Because not only is the atmospheric pressure at the surface as strong as the ocean about a kilometer down, but it's a nice balmy 464 degrees Celsius. And then there's a sulfuric acid that comes down like rain. It is hell on Earth. Except it's, it's not on Earth, so... I guess it's just hell. The first recording taken there was on Venera 13, although that seems to have been lost. I couldn't find that footage anywhere. But there was plenty of audio recorded on its sister mission, Venera 14, in the 57 minutes that it lasted on the surface. And this is what they captured. This is actual sound recorded from the surface of Venus. Hearing there is a 96% carbon dioxide atmosphere pressurized to the point that it reaches a supercritical state, moving across the surface at about half a meter per second. Which is why the rocks are so smooth and flat, I'm guessing? The Venera 14 recording was the only sound recorded in the entire solar system for 30 years, before the Cassini-Huygens probe in 2005. Cassini is arguably one of the most successful planetary missions ever, bringing with it a state-of-the-art set of cameras that returned the most stunning images ever created of Saturn, the jewel of our solar system. But Cassini was only half the equation, because hitching a ride on Cassini was the Huygens probe that landed on the surface of Saturn's moon, Titan. Titan is the second largest moon in the solar system behind Jupiter's Ganymede. In fact, it's larger than Mercury, and it's the only moon in the solar system with an atmosphere. But whereas Mars is extremely thin and Venus is crushingly dense, the pressure on Titan is pretty close to ours at one and a half atmospheres. You probably wouldn't even need a pressure suit to walk around on the surface of Titan, which makes it the only place that we know of outside of Earth where that's true. You would need some long johns, though, because it has an average temperature of negative 180 degrees Celsius. It's also the only other place outside of Earth that we know of that has liquid oceans. That liquid is liquid methane, but still. Now, all of that has to say that Titan is one of the most interesting places in the solar system, which is why when the boffins at ESA were putting together the Huygens probe, they put it with a full suite of instruments, including a microphone. And on January 15, 2005, the Huygens probe screened through the Titanic atmosphere, unfurled its parachutes, and recorded this along the way. Now, in the interest of extreme pedantry, Issa did do some alterations to the sound to make it more like what we would hear if we were on Titan, but there you go. And really, that's it. If we're going to talk about sounds as we experience it here traveling through an atmosphere on Earth, those are really the only recordings we can point to, which is why the Perseverance microphones are a really big deal. It's also got the first drone that we've ever flown through another atmosphere. This is a really cool mission. But as I said before, sound doesn't just travel through the air. It can also travel through rock. So if you want to expand your definition of sound just a little bit, there are a few recordings we can point to. NASA's Mars InSight lander landed on Mars in 2018, and with it, it brought a seismometer in order to gauge seismic geological activity. Specifically, it was an instrument called the Seismic Experiment for Interior Structure, or SIZE. Like, like seismic? Get it? It picked up a variety of activity, but on Sol 128, or April 16, 2019, to us, it picked up what scientists believe to be the first recorded Mars quake. And here's what that sounded like. So that's a Mars quake. We've also found moonquakes. As you could see on our chart earlier, the moon is by far the most visited object outside of Earth in our solar system, and it's obviously the only one that we've walked on. But long before we walked there, we were landing things on it, and one of the things that we've landed many times over were seismometers. And with those seismometers, we've discovered several different types of moonquakes. There are deep moonquakes, about 700 kilometers below the surface, probably caused by tides vibrations from the impact of meteorites thermal quakes caused by the expansion of frigid crust when it's first illuminated by the morning sun after two weeks of deep freeze lunar night and shallow moon quakes only 20 or 30 kilometers below the surface and those shallow quakes are actually pretty scary some of them have been measured to be about 5.5 on the richter scale now in case you're like me and you don't live anywhere near an earthquake zone and have no idea what a 5.5 earthquake looks like it it looks like this Not only that, but these quakes last much longer on the moon, up to an hour. But the question remains, what does it sound like? We actually don't have a recording, at least not one that I could find, but astronauts who have been on the moon claim that it sounded like a ringing bell. Actually, they didn't experience a moonquake per se, but what they felt was a, a wave from a discarded piece of spaceship that had crashed further down on the moon. The reason they think the moon rings like a bell is because there's no water to sort of dissipate the shock wave, so it just kind of continues resonating throughout. Now, there is another type of sound recording that we've made out in space. Again, if you can expand your idea of what sound is. This is something called sonification, and it's basically a way of translating image data into sound waves. You basically assign different tones and volumes to different frequencies and intensities of light, and this just kind of gives scientists a different toolkit to experience these images. You get different patterns out of it. It's basically creating an audio experience out of visual data. And it's not only useful, it's kind of beautiful. Like, here's a sonification of the center of the Milky Way galaxy. After our solar system, though, while sound waves might not be traveling throughout the planets, there are electromagnetic waves that can be translated into sound waves that we can experience. Again, not really sounds that you would hear out in the solar system, but it's a sonic interpretation of something that is real. And each planet has its own magnetic field that interacts with the EM radiation coming out of the solar wind. Uh, Some planets actually generate their own EM radiation, and they each absorb and reflect EM radiation in different ways, giving each planet its own unique voice. One other sound worth noting is the big bloop that was formed by two combining black holes that sounds somewhat adorable considering that the energy from it could destroy the earth a million times over so it seems like the more you look into this the more sounds there actually are uh, which makes sense because you can literally take a picture of any part of the sky and sonify it and, and listen to it. From gamma rays to infrared and x-rays to our own favorite visible light, it seems like the universe has been singing to us this whole time. And the universe has some tracks that absolutely slap. I'll put some links to them down in the description. So it might be a bit over-romantic, but I don't know. I, I like the idea that there's music in the universe and that you and I here on Earth have some small part to play in that symphony. And I don't know, maybe that's why humans are so moved by music, because the solar system is filled with it. We came from it. And it's pretty cool. And if you want to get the most out of your music, you might want to check out today's sponsor, Raycon earbuds. Longtime viewers have heard me talk about Raycon earbuds, but these are the actual earbuds that I use when I work out and stuff. And I've got the earwax on it to prove it. I've got the black ones, but they come in a variety of colors and patterns, and there's a variety of fit options, and of course they're wireless, so no cords to yank out of the ears, which makes them perfect for... going on a jog, doing the dishes, wrestling with the dog, spying on my neighbors, or listening to Norwegian death metal while cross-stitching. And they give you six hours on a charge, so you can do all those things uninterrupted. And apparently they're endorsed by musicians, everyone from Snoop Dogg to Melissa Etheridge to Brandy, which... I want to hear that collaboration now they fit snug they don't go anywhere see they don't go anywhere so if you'd like to try them out for yourself you can get a 15 percent off discount if you go to buyraycon.com slash joe scott and there's a 45 day free return policy so there's nothing to lose but really i've been happy with these personally i think the sound quality is great and uh i do recommend them so yeah go to buyraycon.com joe scott link is down in the description Big thanks to Raycon for supporting this video, and a huge shout-out to The Answer Files on Patreon and the members on YouTube who are helping to support this, this channel and helping me grow a team and doing all that stuff. I got some community people I want to shout-out real quick, some channel members. We've got uh, some names to murder. We got Dora Furlong, Joshua Clark, Wreckage writer Douglas Drain, Dan Sawyer, Rafal Silwinski, uh, Austin Meyer, and Kenneth Michael Snare. Thank you guys so much. If you would like to join them and get early access to videos, exclusive live streams, and other stuff uh, for the community members, you can hit the join button down below, and the magic starts right then. Please do like and share this video, and if this is your first time here, you might want to check this one out, because Google thinks you'll like that one, or any of the others on the side. They got my little face on them, and uh, if you do enjoy them, I invite you to subscribe. I'll come back with videos every Monday. All right, that's it for now. You guys go out there and have an eye-opening rest of the week, and I'll see you next Monday. Love you guys. Take care.